As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to greet everyone, isn't it? Hey, wasn't that awesome, that last song we just sang? And I don't know if you noticed or not, but um, our team, that's a familiar song and an old song, traditional song for Christmas. But did you notice how our team added that little chorus that they wrote? Wasn't that awesome? And so that's going to be, that's going to be released coming up next week. It's part of the LP for Christmas for our High Point Worship Collective. Can we praise God for that? So you'll be, you'll be hearing more about that. I want to begin this morning... And I want to tell you the results of a survey that I took two decades ago. I stood on a couple street corners. I went to a couple malls. And I simply just asked this one question. I said, who or what do you put your hope in? And I was just starting the church and I was just trying to get some understanding and trying to get a feel for the community And it was interesting because the answers that came, some people said, well, I got to be honest, I I, I put my hope in my family and my friends and the people that are close to me, the people that I can trust. And then some people were completely honest and they said, you know, I I just put it in myself. Like, I got to make some things happen. And, And then there were several who said, well, you know what? We put our hope in God. We put our hope in our faith. We put our hope in Jesus because they recognized me and they knew who I was. (laughs) But then others, they kind of said, you know, it's it's a bit of a combination. And as I reflect on those answers, I, I don't think that the answers would be much different today if I stood at a street corner or went to the mall. I think they'd be pretty much the same. Anybody agree? But what say you? I love that phrase. It's like, what what do you think? What do you say? What say you when it comes to who do you put or what do you put your hope in? I was kind of expecting with an intimate service like this, scaled back and everything, that there'd be an answer to that, but I guess not. But who do you put your hope in? That was a very hesitant church answer. I kind of expected that that would be the answer here, But what I want to tell you is this, and it's the focus of this whole service and the message today. Why? Why should you do it? Why should you put your hope in Jesus? Why should you put your faith in God? Why should you do those things? And you know what? Whether you would say it verbally, think it, it's in your heart, or you're just not sure. Did you hear me? Maybe you're online today watching, you're like, I'm not sure how I would answer that question at all. That's what I want the Bible to answer today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just going to be the Bible that answers it. It's going to be a person in the Bible that we're all familiar with this time of year. And Mary is her name. The mother of Jesus, she is our focus today as she's pregnant, caring child. And we're starting a new series. 
It's entitled Testimonies. And over the next four weeks, including today, we're going to be talking about the characters in the Christmas story and how their testimonies gave glory to God. And today we're starting with Mary. And I mean, there's no better place to start if we're going to try to tap into Christmas, if we're going to try to recenter ourselves, if we want to talk about hope. She, praise the Lord, gives us the reasons why we're to hope. And if you're familiar with this passage, great. Maybe you've been there before and your Bible's marked up like mine. But if you're not, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 46. And it's actually, it's actually a song. And so many people refer to it as Mary's song. And in the title of your heading of your Bible, maybe if you get there quickly, you can see in mine it says the Magnificat. And so that's not inspired. That wasn't in the original text. That wasn't what was written originally. But that's Latin. And it refers to the first verse, verse 46, the word magnify. And so Mary's magnifying the Lord, as we'll see. And she's giving us the reasons why she put her hope in him. Are we ready? We start Advent right now. You ready to go? Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Father, I pray for your word to resonate in our hearts. And that you would reassure us, that you would recenter us, that, that the plumb line of our spirits would be reset in such a way as we start a busy season for the true reason, the hope that we can have in your son. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Go ahead and write down the number 22. It's very important to this text because that's how many days you got left, including today, to buy those Christmas gifts. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I want to make it easy for you. No, it is 22. I wrapped gifts yesterday. I was expecting an applause. <laughs> I didn't get one at home either. But seriously, in this season, we can be so busy, so I want to bottom line the message for full attention, for those in the seats, for those at home, and, and I want to give it to you in one sentence. So we often call this the silver bullet. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. I put my hope in the Lord because he knows me. He loves me. He cares for me. And he is there for me. That's the message. Ushers lock the door. You're not leaving yet. But that's it. If we want to talk a reason, if we want to say, why should I do it? And if I think back in my own life, I didn't have this solidified. Why should I put my hope in him? And, and Mary says, because he knows you, because he loves you, because he cares for you, 
because he is there for you. Testimony, that's the series. He was there for me. And I tell you, he's going to be there for you. Let's take each phrase one at a time. We'll dig into our Bibles today. He knows me. And so think about that for a moment. He knows you. Psalm 39 tells us that he knows everything about you. Hey, you feel forgotten. Hey, you feel lost. Hey, you feel neglected. No, you're not. Those are feelings. They're not fact. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows every hair on your head. For some, it's easy for God because there aren't many to count. But he knows. And he's aware. And that's why I skip down for a moment to verse 48 because Mary says, and he has looked. So this is Mary singing. This is Mary talking. He refers to God. Looked on. A really important two words. In our English language, I think they under, we understand it's just like to gaze. That's exactly what it means in the original language, although it has a deeper bite to, to asphyxiate on, to fix your eyes on, to, to be taken back with. Like that's what God is taken back with. He's looking, his eyes are fixed on Mary. Just like I'm staring at one person here, he's staring at you. Hey, how do I get God to stare at me like that? Because that's the attractiveness that I want. That's the attention that I desire. Well, good Bible church answers in the text. Look with me. What does he say? Or excuse me, what does she say? She says, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She's talking in the third person. He looked at my humble estate. Every humble person talks in the third person. But that's what she's doing. It's about humility. You want God to get his eyes off something else and get his eyes on you, it's humility. I love the scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. That means he's searching to strongly support, the verse goes on to say, those who are completely his. Who, who's completely his? Those that are humble, those that are servants. And so let's get a definition for humility on the board right now. We'll put it on the screen. Humility, what it's not. Hey, if this was a biblical dictionary, this is the antonym. This is what humility is not. Don't think it's insecurity. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, it, it's not indecisiveness. Oh, I'm having trouble with a decision. No, it's not any of those things. It's not inactivity like that we just get stopped in our tracks. That, that's not humility. No, a biblical definition of humility, and Mary's picture would be right here, is an utter dependence on God and his word. An unconcerned for power, prestige, and position. An unceasing desire to put other people ahead of yourself. That's humility. That's what God's staring at. That's what God's looking for in this lost world. Would you attract his attention? Hey, we get attract a lot of attention for a lot of different things. For the stylish shoes that you wear and the clothes and the job, and all these things that we look for. God's looking for this. And so I love how um, uh, Andrew Murray, let me get to the infomercial now. If you don't have a stocking stuffer yet, 
just trying to relate to Christmas. Here's a great resource. Look at that. You just pick it, put it right in the stocking. It's an old classic humility. See that? Carry it in your back pocket. Just stick it right in there and then keep the humility part up and so that when they see it in Christmas, it kind of communicates a message. <laughs> Maybe you want to give it to your kid. Maybe you want to give it to your spouse. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, and it isn't subliminal. Oh, yeah, I thought I'd pick that up for you. <laughs> and no, what it is, is, is this is a classic. And, and, and I only give you classics. And, and Andrew Murray says humility is perfect quietness of heart. And he goes on to say, it's, it's to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and why am I blamed or despised? It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and above is in trouble. That's humility. Hey, how do you get this? you got to crucify pride. That's what Jesus died for. It's the root of all sin. That's why Andrew Murray, he goes on and says this, and you could circle this in, your bio, in, your, in the book when you give it to the person. Because I'd circle it for me. And look what he says, pride must die in you or nothing in heaven's going to live in you. If you want heaven, if you want the hope of God, if you want heaven on earth, this is the secret. Next phrase, silver bullet message. Hey, why would I put my hope in the Lord? I mean, this is a little bit of an apologetic message. Like, you got people that you're going to be with this Christmas who won't do this. Here's four reasons Mary gave. Give them two or three yourself. Personalize it. Why? Because God loves me. I mean, there's the reason. And we can say it in a lot of different ways, but look with me at probably the most theologically packed part if we were to look at what it relates and how it relates to us in the entire song. Look back at verse 46. We already talked about magnify. That's the magnificent. He, it, it, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so magnify there, if we were to double click on that, it, it literally means to make large, to increase. It's what you did when you were a kid with a magnifying glass to an insect, or maybe that was only me. And you'd look at the insect, and then you'd try to get the sun. You know, anybody? And don't do that. But, but Mary's not saying she has to magnify the Lord because he's small. No, she's saying, I got to right-size myself in how God sees me because he is large and I am small. And she's magnifying the Lord. She's increasing his value in her own life and recognizing who he is. And then look what she says in verse 47. Get your pens, underline it, circleize it. My spirit, theologically speaking, the S there is small because the Holy Spirit wasn't deposited in the hearts of believers yet. That was coming. The Holy Spirit was deposited on people for a specific work of the Lord. This is still Old Testament time, kind of. Jesus hadn't come yet. And so my spirit, that means she's saying the whole of my being, all my thoughts, all my feelings, all my heart, everything about me. She's saying my spirit rejoices from head to toe. She has joy in God. Why? Two theological words that break down 
everything for every single person that has ever walked the face of the earth, that takes Mary off a pedestal and makes her just like us because that's what she would want. My Savior. My Savior. Jesus is my Savior. That's what Mary's telling us. The baby that I have, she's pregnant. Ladies who've been there, do you know what I'm saying? She had thought about this little one and, and, and this little one that she had studied about him since she was a kid. Savior, that she had learned about the, the, the deliverer of Israel, the redeemer, the one that was coming. And he's right here in a teenage body. That's all she was. Can you imagine what was going on? My Savior. My indicates a personal pronoun, which indicates possessiveness. It's what a kid does when a little toddler, and they, you take their toy, or you go, hey, let me just check that out. That's mine, 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 mine. Until you give it back, right? And then the parents are like, oh, Lord, just, just go with it. It's fine. Just look at your kid and say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. And then let everybody hear that in your family and say, what are you looking at? God's word says you are too. But, but it's true. And, and Mary knew she was a dirty, rotten sinner because that's why the Savior came, because that's the message of Christmas. And so let me give you a couple verses. If you're one of those people like me who hasn't gotten your Christmas cards out yet, you can put this in. And for all of those of you who have already sent me a Christmas card, stop it. You make me feel bad. How can she do this, my wife and I say. How do they do this with everything going on? There's a couple verses you can put in your Christmas cards. It's all about Christmas. John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and we saw God's glory. And then how about this one? You could write John 3:16 right on the back of the envelopes before they go out this week. Just write John 3:16. And, and, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's Christmas. That's what the Christmas season is about, the gift. And if we're talking about hope today, your Bible tells you that Jesus is the hope. Your Bible tells you that Jesus is the blessed hope that we're waiting for this Advent season. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the living hope. Think about that. He's alive. And so, I don't know. Let's talk about a ridiculous example. So there's a gift here under the tree. And let's just say this gift, it just got, you know, kind of stuck over by the tree and, and you bought this for the family and this was the family gift. This is the big gift. Anybody do that? It's like, this is the big gift. I wait till the end. That's what I do at our house. This is the big family gift. And let's just say they all took off and doing their thing and, and I'm like, I got the gift. Come on, this is the one. Forget about the stockings with the candy and, and, and the book. I was just kidding. <laughs> this is the gift. And, 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 then, and nobody opened it. Let me just tell you, that would never happen at our house. <laughs> I remember when the kids opened the gifts before we got there. Anybody been through that? I remember doing it as a kid. But how would you feel if, if you, you wrapped this and you prepared this and you gave it and, and nobody opened it? That's how God feels every Christmas. 
Did you hear me? That's how God feels every Christmas. He, he's like this. And the truth is, to open it, you need this. And he's up in heaven every year. And maybe you're like that newfound kid, man. It's like you just opened it recently, and you're like, yes. Maybe you've had it, and you haven't fully experienced the fullness of what it has to offer. And you set it aside. I'm just asking, let's grab hold of it because it's a gift of hope. Jesus is our blessed hope. Mary, in the text, she's about to get bigger and bigger and bigger as a teenager with no husband engaged or betrothed to Joseph. And Joseph's like, I didn't do it. And she's like, well, I never did it either. And, and can you imagine her family? Can you imagine her friends? Can you imagine what people are thinking of her? But she had hope. She had hope. And maybe to the teenager who feels insecure and forgotten or you have hope. Maybe to the young adult who's just, you know, you're, you're wrestling with all these decisions and what's the next phase and I wish I had a relationship or this relationship ended. You have hope. Maybe it's, I don't know, the marriage and the crisis is here and in your midst of it, can I tell you as a spouse, no matter what he did, she did, he said, she said, you have hope. We have hope in Jesus. Why? I don't know, he cares for me. That's what's coming next. So, so he knows me, he loves me, and he cares for me. And so Mary, I mean, this is just a beautiful picture of a simple psalm you could read. That's almost what it is. And teach it to the people in your family as you open up. And emphasize my Savior, that's what Mary said. And look at his care and his concern because she says in verse 49 for he who is mighty has done great things for me and so what great things was she thinking about maybe it was the greatness of what was actually happening in the context she was visiting her sister elizabeth that's or excuse me her cousin and and that's what was happening and and she was expecting too with John the Baptist. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And these two ladies getting together, I mean, two pregnant ladies together, that's enough for me. <laughs> and she's got John the Baptist, and, 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 and he would be the one that would be mistaken for Jesus. And he would say famously, I must decrease so Jesus will increase. That's humility. And he would say, I, I'm not fit to tie his shoes, his sandals, to untie his sandals. Did, did Mary and, and, and Elizabeth, did they, you know, cause, did they know what's going on? I think so. Because look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. They may not have understood everything, but they got something. 
And they knew something was happening. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it was in her fiancé, Joseph. And maybe that was the great thing she was thinking about. And God had provided her. He's the topic next week. And we're going to talk about him under the Advent theme of love. And so he loved her. He was a just man and tried to divorce her quietly, didn't want to draw attention. We're going to learn about love next week in the midst of difficulty and misunderstanding. Or maybe it was just the miraculous of her. Maybe as she was thinking in verse 49, he's done mighty great things. Maybe it was just the fact that she was bearing the baby, the savior of the world. And, and she was pregnant. And, and she, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. I remember when Jody was pregnant with our first, and she was on, in sales, and she was on a sales call in Milwaukee. And what was funny was um, she was going up an elevator, and it was Christmas time, and, 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 and there's a guy, this old guy. I mean, you know, people pre-COVID did a lot of crazy things. This is really pre-COVID. And he just started rubbing her belly. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, who does that? And you're like, oh, what's happening? And I wonder if that ever happened to Mary. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but all babies are miracles. It's a miraculous thing. And so I love how G.I. Packer says it, because this is the great thing. Look with me at this quote. Do we have that quote from J.I. Packer? It's a quote for Christmas. If not, that's okay. Let's put that quote for hope up that I love. Let's, let's put a picture of me up. I was glad that didn't come up. Wasn't that good? Hope. Well, what have we learned? I, I, just, I draw your attention to this definition. And hope in Jesus is a confident certainty of his victory over all things in all seasons in all generations. That, that's hope. And, and so why can I have hope? Well, because he, he knows you. He, he loves you. He, he cares for you. And he's there for you. And so now we're just going to rifle through this, man. So this is going to be tough because there's just a lot left. Mary is a woman of God's word. And so that's one of the reasons why God fixed his eyes on her. And so she knew her Old Testament. She didn't realize, and she came to realize she was writing the New Testament with her story for God's glory. That was her testimony, a testimony of hope. And so she gives us really four ways to understand that the Lord is there for her. And just as he is there for her, he's there for you. So we're going to go through. She, 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 no, no, you could count it up. There's at least 12 times she references the Old Testament um, truth or illustrations or stories. And so let me just bust through this really quick. So we'll put it up on the screen. Four ways that he was there for her. He, the Lord was there through his presence. And, and so look at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him. And so do you have a healthy fear of God? And by that, I mean, do you have a reverential awe for who he is? And perfect love casts out fear. And you understand his greatness and his goodness. And then she, she, she understood that he was there for her because 
of his protection. And she talks about the protection of the people of Israel. Interesting. That God protected his people. They were his chosen ones. She was. And, and she said, he's shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud and brought down the mighty and exalted those of humble estate. She, she would go on to say, the Lord's there. How do I know he's there? Maybe you're doubting his presence today. Well, he's there through his provision. And so maybe you're in the midst this Christmas and things are down and, and you need help. Hey, I'm telling you, man, we want to come alongside of you. We're coming alongside hundreds, thousands of kids to provide Christmas through our care center. Is that awesome? We want to provide for people. And, and so he has filled the hungry with good things. And lastly, this is like the common denominator of the hope and provision of God. The Lord is there through his promises. And he has not given up on you. You should not give up on him. And, and he says he's helped the servant, his, his servant Israel. He's not given up on the people of God. He's not given up on the church in the midst of the culture and in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the difficulty. And, and he has spoke to our fathers and he will speak to us. How do I know the Lord's there for me? Well, let's just summarize it. Wouldn't be a message at High Point without a list. So, so here we go. This is why he's here. And this is why he's there for you. So a message in a sentence. I won't make you say it. But maybe if it would help you to help others, to write it in your Bible and turn to the magnificent and tell somebody this week, this is the reason why I have hope. And this is the reasons, these are the reasons why I know you can have hope too. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back. We're going to close off our service today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Good stuff? Yes. Christmas has begun. Let's recenter ourselves with hope. And so series is testimonies. And so each week we're going to look and turn to a different character who's going to give a testimony. My story for God's glory. Don't miss it though. I said mine, not theirs, not hers, your story. Your story will give God glory in this season. If you call out to him and ask him for an opportunity, amen? If you look for a, a situation or a circumstance to insert yourself in with a little boldness. Like that's December, guys. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's somebody you don't know. Maybe it's in a line and you're waiting at Christians. Maybe it's while you're having coffee in a coffee shop. Let's just slow down and let's be hope dispensers. Anybody with me? That, that's what we need to be. And that's what God wants. And, and, and so I picked a verse for the theme of the series. It's from 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. I just would ask you to memorize it this week. And so what's testimonies? Well, and this is the testimony. That, that God has given eternal life. And that life is in his son. That's the testimony. That's the story. That's for the glory of God that we would receive the hope and dispense the hope to a lost world because we are his witnesses. And we're going to call out to him now. 
And Father, you are good. And I have witnessed it. I have experienced it personally through hope and peace and joy and love. And God, you are strong. And I've witnessed it. God, you've been there for me. You have helped me. You have supported me. God, you are good. And I've witnessed it. You fill in the blank right now. Tell the Lord quietly from your heart, why is he good? And what have you witnessed? Do you got it? If you got it, give me an amen. Let's sing it together. Sing with us now.